Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Trinity Church in Carryville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, please visit our website, trinity901.com. So one of the things that has arisen in our culture that's quite prominent is social media influencers. And I can't honestly say that I am influenced by anybody on social media, but thankfully I have a 12-year-old and I have a 16-year-old, and so I am pretty aware of who those influencers are in our culture for the younger generation. One of them is a, is a gentleman, a young man by the name of Mr. Beast, and he is very popular on YouTube. He has millions and millions of followers. And he came to notoriety because he would do these outrageous, crazy, unbelievable stunts. I've seen some of them from time to time. They can be funny. They can be interesting. But one of the things that Mr. Beast has done is he's become popular, is he's become one of the noteworthy social media influencers in well, really around the world, he has made a lot of money. And he's using his money to give away to help others. So here's an example of something that he did. He rallied his followers to plant millions of trees around the world. That's good. One day he turned a building into a car dealership and everybody that showed up, he surprised them, he gave them a car. And then recently he he paid for cataract surgery for a thousand people to be given sight. I don't know a lot about him, truly. And I don't know a lot about social influencers. But when I read this passage, I kept thinking about the word influence. And I kept thinking about Paul's instruction to Timothy. And ultimately... Paul is also writing to the elders in Ephesus. And he's also writing to all of the churches in the ancient Middle East. And Paul is writing to us. And the common theme that you see in this passage in 11 through 16 is the significance and necessity and importance of being a what? An influencer for the kingdom that we are to be an influence in the name of Christ. Pastors, elders, and believers. And so let's look at our text a little bit more closely this morning. We're going to begin with verse 11 and 12. And so right off the bat, you see Paul talk about youth. And this is a verse that's often used for children... But in reality, Paul is telling Timothy to not be timid because he's in his early 30s. But but in reality, I think what it's trying to communicate is true. To be confident in your faith, to be confident in who you are as a believer in Jesus Christ, and stand for Jesus. Let no one despise you because of what you believe and what you stand for, whether you are 
a child or a teenager or a young adult. That there is great certainty and surety that comes with faith in Jesus Christ. There's truth and there's power. And then Paul talks about setting an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Now again, Paul is writing to Timothy, who is the pastor in a church that he planted in Ephesus. And there is discord in the community of believers. There are problems, there are issues. And so Paul has sent Timothy to try to bring order and truth amidst the confusion. And so on the primary level, he is saying to Timothy, this is what you should be like as a pastor. And then secondarily, I would make the argument that he's also saying this to the elders as well. And so this is important for us in the life of this church plant because we are training our first elders. So as I read this passage and I think about 11 through 16, it's significant for me as a pastor. I need to examine my heart. I need to examine my soul. I need to think about, am I an example in speech in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And then I would say to the men who are in training as elders, examine your heart. Call on the Holy Spirit and say, help me to understand who I am as a follower of Christ, as a believer in the Lord Jesus. Help me in my speech, conduct, love, my faith to be true and to be pure. But I would also commend this for all of us. Because when we, talk, when we talk about speech and conduct and love and faith and purity, these are all things that Jesus has talked about in His teachings in the Gospel. What Christians should be like, what Christians should look like. And so yes, this is a message for me I'm preaching to myself. But this is also a message for our elders who are in training. This is a message for all men in this congregation, in this church family, who might consider themselves or think about possibly being a deacon or an elder in the future. But it's also the words of Christ regarding what it means to be one of His followers for all of us. How is the transforming power of Christ at work in your life right now? What is, the older, what is your older brother doing? Can you examine your heart, examine your soul and say, I am dying to him daily. And I want nothing more than to follow him. And I treasure his word. It is like pure gold. It's better than gold to me. That this is a way station for us on the interstate of life. And we pull in and Paul is saying to pastors and to elders and to congregants, examine yourself. Who are you? Do you love Jesus deeply? And does your life show it? Do your family members and your co-workers and your friends and neighbors, when they think of you and they talk of you, 
Do they talk about your deep commitment to Christ, your loyalty to His Word, your true faith? And if not, why not? Paul is saying that these things are significant, that our speech should be holy, and that our speech should direct people to Jesus. That our conduct should be above board. That the way in which we live our lives, people who know us say, there's just something different about them. They are kind, and they are loving, and they're joyful, and they're peaceful, and they're generous, and they're sacrificial. That we are lovely. That we are lovely people. I don't mean that we are just nice. I mean that we are filled with the love of Christ. That we are overwhelmed and overcome by His life and His death and His resurrection. All that He has done for us to redeem us from the chains that held us captive. That the love of Jesus pours forth from me because I understand on a very deep level all that He went through for me and how He intercedes for me and how He prays for me, how He gave His life for me, how deeply and passionately He loves me. Am I lovely? Is my faith true? As the pastor of this church, is my faith genuine? Do I really and truly believe the tenets and the doctrines of our faith? That I am grounded in the Word of God? That I understand all that the Father has done for me and pursuing me in love and rescuing me from sin and from death and from misery? Is my faith genuine? Is it real? Is it deep? This is what I should be striving for as a pastor. This is what I should exude to you. And I know that sometimes I don't because I'm sinful just like you. And I need Jesus deeply. And so do the men who are going through elder training in this church. And so do you. And then am I pure? I want to be Christ-like. We want to be holy as Jesus is holy. I want to obey His Word. Not because it saves me. I can't save myself. I'm not God. Jesus is God. Jesus has saved me. But my obedience brings me an ordered life according to His Word, and it brings Him glory. That when we seek to obey the Word of God, when we seek to follow Christ, God is glorified. I want my life to be a blessing to Him, and I know that by striving for holiness, that that is God's plan for me, and that that is what God has intended for me. That is what He has intended for our elders who are going through training. That is what He has intended for all of you. Speech, conduct, love, faith, 
purity. We pray as the psalmist did in chapter 51.10, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. May this be said of all of us. May this be said of Trinity. Verse 13. Paul says that Timothy should devote himself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to encourage people in the Word of God, and to teaching. This is an essential thing for us as a church plant that we have a strong commitment. Our theological tradition has a strong commitment. In a day and age when many churches are no longer teaching the truth of Scripture, the power of Scripture, the doctrines of grace in Scripture, we are to double down on this. May it be said of Trinity that the proclamation of the Word of God in worship is essential to who we are. And that's what Paul is getting at. The teaching and preaching and exhortation of God's Word. That our elders are trained in such a way that they understand the significance of this and they hold me accountable as the pastor of the church and that you are desirous of elders who will hold high the Word of God that you will be desirous of a denomination that holds high the Word of God, that we believe it is true, we believe that it is real, we believe that it does not have error, we believe that it points to Jesus, we believe that the Word is the only rule, as our catechism states, the only rule for faith and life. Again, may that be said of this church plant, may that be true of Trinity. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You need food for sustenance. You need food to eat and to live. But Jesus is telling us that the word of God is far more important for you. It feeds your soul. It is all that you need in this life, and it is all that you need in the life to come. So in a world, in a culture, in North America in particular for us, the church is under attack and the message of Christianity is considered foolish. And it will probably get worse over time. My grandchildren will experience things more than likely unless God, and He can, bring some revival. Their experience will be even more challenging than mine. And I would say ours is not as challenging as other places around the world. Let's be truthful. And so that is why we have to have this strong commitment to the Word. Because it is truth, it is Jesus, it is grace. And that's what the world needs. Truth, grace, and Jesus.
verse 14 and 16, we see Paul telling Timothy not to neglect his pastoral gifts. And notice it says that the council of elders laid their hands on him. Now, I was actually asked yesterday at the church office by someone, why are you Presbyterian? And I did briefly talk about I appreciate our doctrine. I think it is good. I think it is biblical. But one of the things that I did discuss is I believe that the way in which we orchestrate and organize and govern the church is what you see most clearly in Scripture. And so this is something that we do as a denomination, which is the laying of hands on men who have been ordained to the office of ruling elder, teaching elder, and deacon. And this is based on what we see in Scripture. It's based on what we see the church. It's based on what we see regarding the church in Scripture, how the church is governed. And it harkens all the way back to Moses when he laid hands on Joshua, the passing of leadership. And so this was just a reminder to me that when we lay hands on our first elders and we become an official church in the PCA, that we are doing something that is biblical and that we strive to govern this church and to run this church according, what, according to what the Word of God says. And that's just very important for us to understand as a church plant. Why do we do what we do? Because we believe that this is what God's Word says. What a great motto for all of life, truly. Why do I do what I do? Why does, my family, why does my family do what my family does? Because we are guided by the truth of the Word of God. We don't take cues from the world. We don't take cues from really an insightful and wise people. The main thing that guides us and leads us and directs us, that provides the foundation for us, is His Word. It's better than pure gold. It feeds my soul. I love this. Practice these things. Timothy, young man, young man in the ministry, in a difficult situation, facing false teachers, Paul says, practice these things. And then he says, I love this imagery, immerse yourself in them. Now, is he talking about his pastoral gifts? On some level, yes. But he's also hearkening back to right speech, good conduct, Christian love, true faith, and purity. Immerse yourself in these things. Immerse yourself. What a beautiful reminder for us, for Timothy, from Paul. Verse 16. He tells him in closing to keep a close watch on himself and his teaching. A good reminder for me. A good reminder for our elders in training. Persist in this. Don't give up. Fight the good fight. Run the race. And by doing so, you will save yourself and your hearers. Whoa. 
I had to stop and think about that this week. I had to reflect on what Paul is trying to say here. And this is, for me, a weighty thing. Because here's what Paul is saying. God is ultimately the one who saves. Salvation comes from the Lord. That's what the Psalms say. God is the one who converts. He sends the Holy Spirit to give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and new hearts. He raises us from the dead. He gives us resurrection life. But the instrument that the Lord uses is the church. And the ministers of the church and the elders of the church to proclaim the word of God. So Paul is saying the Lord does all the saving but I am going to use the pastors of my church and the elders of my church in bringing the word of salvation to my children. And so John Calvin, great theologian of the Reformation, says it best. It is indeed true that it is God alone who saves and not even the smallest part of His glory can rightly be transferred to men. But God's glory is in no way diminished by His using the labor of men in bestowing salvation. This ministry is itself entirely God's work. For it is He who makes men good pastors and leads them by His Spirit and blesses their work so that it may not be in vain. Trinity, this means that I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for my soul and my faith and my speech and my conduct and my purity and my teaching and my preaching because hopefully God will use it for your benefit and for the souls of those who may not know Him. Pray for our elders in training. Pray that they would have a deep understanding of the truth of God's Word, the doctrines of our faith, and the grace of Jesus Christ. So that we can be a church that boldly proclaims in a dark world that Jesus is the way, that His Word is true, that grace is real, that forgiveness happens, and that mercy is new every single morning. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, our King, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what Paul has to say to Timothy. May it be an encouragement for all of us as we seek to follow after your son Jesus on a daily basis. We pray this in his name. Amen.